How are you doing, everybody? Welcome back. It's going to be a great day. How are you feeling today, Jay? I'm feeling fantastic. We've got a great guest on today. We do have a great guest on today. Uh, you know, he's a little bit of everything. He's a fellow podcaster. He's a private investigator, former MUFON field uh, investigator. Uh, he's the president of the Experiencer Support Association. Interesting idea. This is a group that helps people deal with potential PTSD from unexplained phenomena. I mean, uh, there's not a whole lot of resources where people can discuss what happened, at least without fearing of you know being judged or looking vulnerable or telling a close friend who's now maybe not going to look at you the same way anymore. So very valuable resource. Uh, we got into a lot of topics. You know, we discussed the paranormal, uh, mysticism, but from a nuts and bolts mindset, if there is such a thing. Um, so I'm uh, super excited to present our episode today. Mr. Ryan Stacy was a great guest, and uh, we'll be right back. Let's get right into it. Let's do this. Welcome back, everybody, to another great episode of UAP Studies Podcast. I am Louis Borges. Joining me, as always, my good friend and illustrious co-host, Mr. Jason Gilmat. How are you? I'm good, brother. I'm really excited about today's uh, guest. We've been looking forward to this interview for a while now. Yeah, we have uh, a fellow Canadian. Most of our guests are uh, American or in Jacques Vallée's case from France and you know Australia and all around the world. So good to have some uh, hometown blood on the show with us today and uh, a proper mind on the subject. Uh, we have a, a private investigator, uh, a fellow podcaster, a citizen journalist, uh, president of TESA, which is the Experiencer Support Association, uh, providing resources and information on people who are dealing with uh, experiences, paranormal, extraterrestrial, uh, and also for people who are just interested in the field and what it might be about. Uh, it's a very good uh, resource as well. So we want to extend a warm welcome to Mr. Ryan Stacy. Hello, thank you for having me. Yep, thanks for being here. So um, uh, explain a little bit about sort of your uh, your life prior to what you're doing now, what got you interested in these topics. And uh, before the show, we were chatting a bit, and I heard you mention that you were able to create the job that you wanted for yourself, which is something that a million and one self-help books tell you how to do. So um, yeah, elaborate a little bit on uh, what that journey was like for you. All right. So, well, I've always been a paranormal investigator. That's kind of where it, where it started. Uh, in terms of the hobby, um, I got into investigations around 2005 uh, professionally, um, and I always like had that paranormal interest. You know, while I was kind of building the business or whatnot, I started my company in 2015 as a private investigating company. Uh, it's also private security, um, but along the ways, I kind of I had different names and titles to call this like paranormal group that I had. I used to do you know the stuff that you would see on TV because that was kind of the way. We thought I thought it was supposed to be, and that's kind of like what everybody else was doing. And uh, along the way, I got uh, caught up with a bug called MUFON, and I uh, spent a, a good five, no, three to yeah, three to five years. I can't remember. 2015 is when I got in. I don't. I can't remember when I got out. It's kind of like service uh, to the military. Um, so I spent some time there, moved up the ranks in the, in the, in the investigative side. So eventually I became the chief investigator for MUFON Canada. And then I assisted MUFON National being the field investigator trainer. So I was able, I was responsible for, um, revamping the curriculum, uh, for the MUFON University and teach field investigators how to investigate, you know, things that we can't find, uh, unidentified flying objects, objects, now UAP. 
So alongside running a private investigating company and uh, and a security business. So to get to where I am now was like a long, hard work of, you know, moving things and selling the business and doing all these other things, building a good team that's able to run the company to make me free where I am now. So, so as a CEO, um, I, like I could be relaxing, I should be relaxing, but now I'm I'm doing this full time because this is what um, I now want to do. I feel like I have to do because of the time I invested, um, especially with MUFON, uh, to the people. Because I, you know, as I evolve and and learn through the people, there is something going on. I do have these skills. Um, that can be applied to the human being sense, so that, that bedside manner. And I just so happened to fall into it. And now I've created a second business, which is the Experience Your Support Association, which is actually a media company, and uh, which is responsible for um, assisting people like myself who struggle to get into um, you know, the limelight, I guess, if you will, on this subject. Um, and now, so we now have resources that kind of help create content as well, uh, but focus around creating, um, support mechanisms for those who are affected by the phenomenon. So while I'm also pushing disclosure here in Canada behind the scenes, uh, helping uh, a few people as well, I won't mention any names for now because, uh, the work's kind of uh, developing, but I am while I'm helping with that, um, it helps me understand uh, the human element. So I investigate all things. So uh, what, what which I call the ultra spectrum. Um, so paranormal, cryptid, um, UFOs. So I'm trying to connect it all together. And essentially, where I'm at now is um, trying to prepare for what happens after disclosure. So, or after confirmation, I should say. Disclosure, in my opinion, has already happened. Uh, we're just waiting for that confession or that that validation that what we believe is going on uh, has happened. So now I'm focusing on what happens next, because a lot of people are pushing to get that confirmation, but not realizing, or I, I hope they realize, but I don't see the focus, too much focus on how the human population is going to be affected by that. So, so those we have those skeptics. We have those who don't believe. We have those um, who are trying to debunk and trying to do all these things to get the truth, which is balance everything. And being in the middle as an investigator, it's hard because I got to be. I got to balance this. Uh, and in order to balance it, I always, I always end up with with human, human being the source. Um, so the challenges that I have is when you get into the abduction phenomenon where you have sexual abuse, you have uh, injuries, you know, so assault, you have like all these criminal uh, offenses uh, that, you know, um, that occur. When we find out that UFOs or UAPs exist, there's that in inclination or that in um, implied thought that those exist as well. And, and so we need to, there, there has to be something to prepare the people. Um, now, I do put a lot of I don't put a, I put some trust in the government. I'll just say that, uh, to, to balance it, to, to, to have that, that, that belief to think that even though they haven't told us everything, they told us enough. And when we need to, we need to know. So there may be resources that could come out available with that package. If you decide to say, Hey, these things exist, because if you say yes to one, you're going to say yes to everything. Um, so there's a lot that's going to go into it at the same time. If they don't, say anything at all 
we kind of still have to focus on 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 the people because there is something happening. That's where I get into consciousness and all that other stuff too. So that's that's where I was. That's where I am. Questions? <laughs> you mentioned the, uh, the disclosure versus confirmation. We were on mm-hmm. Dave Scott's Spaced Out Radio the other night, and that's one of the questions he asked us. And he says, you know, what's the difference and what are your thoughts? And I said, well, f- you know, from my opinion, disclosure is important for those people who need the validation of their career. Like George Knapp, you know, he spent mm-hmm. 35 years doing this. You want that to officially come out just to be able to tell all your naysayers, this is real, I told you yeah. so. Yeah. And validation is more, I think, for people who are skeptic um, and didn't really have any good proof. And that's a big problem with ufology is the lack of physical evidence that we can all agree on. You know and, what I mean? So that's a very important to, to acknowledge because where we're, where I'm at in terms of this um, movement, well, at least where I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm inadvertently competing with what was already there because I have a different view and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm working on a new system for a future. I have a future vision, whether we have uh, disclosure or not, I'm, I'm, I'm moving past that and whatever happens, I'll apply that. But I, I, my assessment on, on the steps that have been taking place does not appear to me as if disclosure is going to happen or confirmation is going to happen. It just kind of appears as if they're going to contain it and normalize it. So we stop worrying about it and then we kind of move on. Um, the fear with that is when you have, uh, like here in Canada, we got Grant Cameron um, and Chris Rutowski. Um, those two um, have been trying to get answers for, for a very, very long time, longer than I have. Of course, and if we don't, if we don't get an answer, then 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 their life's work was for nothing. In in terms, not for nothing, but I mean that they need they don't get that validation. Yeah. So a lot of these people are fighting now because it's so close in their lifetime. Yeah. But you put on the PI hat, the risk analysis hat, and look at things and understand how things are moving on the balance of probabilities. I don't think we're going to get that, but that's might be a generational thing as well. We're getting close though. Yeah. What do you think about the Canadian um, media's angle on all this? Like, th- we haven't really seen anything really solid. Like, you know, I know CNN and stuff like that in the States are covering the subject. But it seems like Canada, we, we're always behind the times and we don't want to seem silly. So uh, what do you think about the media right now? Does it need to cover the subject a lot more? It, it is does it need to well it needs it's uh, it depends on the opinion of it like we're liberal right now but there's conservatives right now that's uh that's pushing pushing the narrative so uh, my assessment on that essentially is like you know we don't i don't know enough about it whether or not they're just pushing it so they can uh, help their election to get information in if they can you know do all these other things but like canada's always been uh, piggybacking off of news all the news gets piggybacked uh when you go to high school and things like that too you learn about american history before you learn about canadian history you know That's so so true. so so, so, so it, it does it need to happen in terms of a cultural sense sure why not um does it have to happen you know i like canadian canada's kind of perspective in that sense because it's 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 nothing it's not important it's like it's a machine we have it you know kind of sense like don't worry about it we're safe uh let's move on um the thing is though is there are people pressing for answers so they're uh so you're familiar with uh mp larry mcguire yeah so he uh so i'm following that a lot and, and a couple people i'm working with behind the scenes are all helping uh all that stuff uh un- unravel 
Um, recently, he's posed questions to uh, the House of Commons to, uh, to get answered. So that 45-day window um, that, uh, you know, that originally started in America is now starting with Canada. So we're hoping to get some answers uh, from the House of Commons in respect to that through Larry McGuire. Now, previous to that, journalists by the name of Daniel Otis had made a, um, a, a, a report um, that the new minister... Uh, for transport, Omar, I can't say his last name, um, has been briefed and prepped on to what to say uh, if pressed on the topic of UFOs or UAPs in Canada. So there's a document I have it queued up to if you need to see it. But um, so so what's interesting about that is he's kind of told, in a sense, what to say if pressed by the media. So he's essentially told from my recollection uh, recollection is just to refer to the Cato reports refer to transport Canada refer to all the things that we already know here in the, in the subculture um, and kind of deflect it my current thought with the move with McGuire is now that we know that there's a prepped response for transport Canada even though he's high, asking a higher body you know are they going to give a different answer or are they going to fall in suit? Because they, they, this is just something that was heard about, that freedom of information request was, uh, was gathered. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of things going on. So it's in the news. It's it's not mainstream, but it's getting there. And I think it's important if what's going on in America is, you know, so, you know, legitimate because it affects us with borders and things like that too we do know um that you know with service reports uh canada does have to uh pass information off to the united states and orad and all that other stuff too so there's a transfer of information we don't have control of the information we start the investigations we hand it off so there's a lot of push over on the american side to get that confirmation because that'll kind of help but when canada looks at the american stuff they can the answers that are coming back are more so like it's we only respond to things that are credible, which kind of implies that these are credible things or these aren't things of threats. So if I were to step outside of all this disclosure stuff and 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 listen to or look at the facts of what's being said, I'm seeing that these objects are not threatening. So when you get the Navy in America recently, uh, through John Greenwald, we recently got them to say that, yeah, these UFO files exist, but we're not releasing them because uh, they release information about our technologies that could damage national security. Now, that's a valid response. But in the same time, they say UFOs exist. Unidentified flying objects, but they're unidentified to them or unidentified to us. And that's perspective. And that doesn't necessarily mean aliens. But what I'm being told by that is that they know what it is. They have it. They're aware of it. And they're not giving the evidence because they're worried about what their machines might, uh, how that would affect national security. They're not worried about the crafts that are seen in these videos. They're more worried about ourselves. So if, they're, so, so if it's extraterrestrial or if it's human, they know what it is. And it's non-threatening, and and um, or at least appears to be, and I'm okay with that. The issue that I have with which drives me is this whole: I'm being abducted, I'm being uh, you know assaulted, I'm being kidnapped, uh, you know brainwashed. All these all these nightmares and drama associated phenomenon that might be linked to these crafts might be, 
you know, they could be something totally different, reverse engineered, all that other stuff. We can figure that out once we get confirmation of something. But I have a declassified document on, on my website um, in the timeline there, 1952. It's in our Royal Canadian Arm, um, Air Force and RCMP interrogation of a German engineer who claims it's just German technology. And that's the end, case closed. Um, but, you know, that's just one document. You know, so I'm... I don't see this this UAP UFO phenomenon any different than um, you know the new new Air Force. And I know in the states, Ryan, they're trying to really push the threat narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a huge thing for them. You know, it's a threat, and they're approaching all the other countries like this is a potential threat. Um, Canada's angle on this seems to be a little bit more like well let's focus on the science of it like let's focus mm-hmm. where they come from what's their technology mm-hmm. it seems a little bit more sound to approach it that way and, and not scare the public yeah, but, but we have these two you know polar opposites we got canada going hey let's explore this as a possible yay situation where you got the states well, more Canada has narrative. also been open. Like, like 1995, they they transferred the documents from the uh, NRC to the archives of uh, Library of yeah Canadian Library of Archives or whatever. So, like, there's there's thousands and thousands of declassified documents that no one's going through. They're just perusing it and trying to find these things, but like, it's 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 missing information, right? It's not it's not. It, but they're open about it. They have coins that have been minted about you know Falcon Lake, Shag Harbor, yep. you know. So Canada accepts the possibility. They're not like denying the existence. They're not really pushing into it. So, I mean, like we're okay with it, but I kind of feel like that approach is because they know more than they can tell us, but they can't tell us because it's the States that has, has control of the information. So, so perhaps that kind of in your face, here's your stuff. Here's a, here's, here's what we know. Their hands are tied. Um, I mean, if you look at the Avro, uh, 52, I think, when that was made, Cold War still, two of them already made, and then all of a sudden uh, they gave the patent to the United States. So the technology for a saucer-shaped, um, you know, craft does exist. It did exist. They reversed engineered something. Fast forward 80 years, now have a space force. Um, and you know what? Here's an interesting fact too: is we had planes before we had the Air Force. That's why they called it the Air Force because they had planes. Right. So we now have a space force, but where are the spaceships? I mentioned that, Ryan. Okay. I said, which one yeah. comes first, the yeah. crew or the so ships? The spa- so the spaceships are coming. And how do you? And how do you? Uh, and how do you say that? You gotta, you gotta prep it. You gotta take the information. You gotta control it, and you gotta put it out. But what happened as a result of that? Well, you have this information being leaked out. Now you got to contain a data breach. That's more important. It doesn't matter what whether the video is considered a drone uh, by Congress or whatever, and that last thing, whatever happened, whatever they consider it to be, um, you can't ignore the fact that information was supposed to be protected, was not protected, and, and, and people of the government went against the government for whatever reason they want to breach information. So if they can do that with that, they can do that with anything. And these guys, you know, it's actually a criminal offense. It's against the law. And and so so, um, <clears throat> as a business owner uh, and who has employees, I kind of look at that like, you know, how do you how do you change your policies when with when you have so many employees? So the United States government has so many employees, and whatever their policy was in place uh, allowed this information to get out. It created this upward. Now they're doing damage control, and at the same time removing the stigma. 
So it normalizes. And what I think might just happen is they're not going to tell us anything. They're just going to say, okay, everything's up and running. We'll give a report. Here's the report. Nothing to see here. And then, and just continue to say that every year, that there's nothing here, but show that they're looking into it. Right. Do you think there's a recent catalyst on the Canadian side? Um, because, I mean, I think of Paul Hellyer, mm-hmm. um, you know, responding to a crash in Manitoba somewhere and the Americans are already there cleaning it up and he's the head of the uh-huh. Canadian defense. Uh-huh. And that's what charged him up to, you know, join the National um, Press Club and all the rest to say, I was the highest guy in the military and I wasn't yeah. privy to this. So yeah. what the hell's going on if it's above mm-hmm. my pay grade? So was there like a separate catalyst event in Canada? Or is this all a result of like tic tac in the last five years, where everybody's really starting to open their eyes and talk? Uh, you think it's just like like most things piggybacking on American trickle effect, or was something did something happen on our side of the border? Well, that I'm aware of. I, like, I mean, I know with the history of Rutowski and the history of Cameron, uh, Chris Style, like a few others, uh, you know, to name um and even Friedman in the past yeah. you know like so so like they in their times they pushed and, and they've been on the news and they pushed the narrative to a certain point it just wasn't popular in American television America right so now we are piggybacking because we have to yeah um to to take the mo- momentum it's an opportunity why not right so we had a kind of had a private discussion with you know with the this team that I we're not really a team. It's an eight, uh, a non-team. So we do our own thing, but you know, we're kind of doing our, doing our own thing, but to get this into mainstream media took a lot of movements, a lot of shifting, but we had to piggyback off that momentum because to say the me too kind of like in a sense, right. Like, and not to, not to talk ill of that, that movement, separate movement, but that kind of, uh, that example in terms of, you know, we have UFOs too. We were there at the Cold War. We, uh, you know, we have issues. We, this is, uh, there's no wall between us and them. Like, you know, we're at risk and all these other things too. So the narrative is there and people optimized on it and they took it. And now we're at that point in real time that in 45 days, we should get a response from the House of Commons on what they say, which puts us in the same spot as the Americans were a few years back or a year back. I can't remember what time it is with the pandemic. Um, And then if they, if America closes the lid on it and Canada closes the lid on it, then that's the end of it. And the rest of it is speculation. But if it's the end of it, is it, is it the truth? And that's the issue with, with, with this movement is there's different versions of truth. There's perspectives. Everyone wants to do like, I mean, if you're, analyze the facts and you accept them as they are it's already been figured out it's not a threat it's not an issue we got it we want to know about it we can't tell you we've already told you what we can but you want more and we can't do anything about that it's like you know firing someone like you can't do it it can't i understand you're upset you're losing your house and all these other things but i still gotta let you go you know like it's it's a difficult it's a, a difficult uh thing to say and that to me indicates that there's something else going on which is why i focus on studying the people. So the Experience and Support Association is is uh, is a study of the people and why how they are affected by the phenomenon and why they are affected by the phenomenon and which types of phenomenon they're affected with and what methods they use to interact with the phenomenon to figure out what parallels between all phenomenons to understand what might be happening. So 
um, the common denominator or the common link between all phenomenons is the human being. You know, we all have faith, we all have different beliefs, we all have different understandings, we all have all these other things, but we also have these different layers of psychic abilities. So, 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 um, and I'm also trying to work with the paranormal community and the UFO, UAP community to kind of bridge the data together so that more information can be shared to understand the deeper rooted things. So if these are just machines and they're probably human oriented, unless they're controlled um, consciously with remote viewing. And that's it for that's something that needs to be explained and all that other stuff too. But if you take that consciousness perspective in the UFO side and you look at um, telekinesis, that's still consciousness activity, right? It's just in that paranormal spectrum. So there's a lot of um, stigma that, that the UFO community wants to avoid in the paranormal community because they don't want, uh, they need to focus on their nuts and bolts. But the reality of it, um, this abduction phenomenon and this interaction with these species, there, it's, there's some sort of space that I've, that, you know, that our minds are able to go to, whether we're dreaming, whether we're meditating, um, whether um, near-death experience, you know, we're getting information from a place and we're seeing a variance of things and calling them different things. So when I work with the people and I ask them, you know, describe a light, describe what you saw, and they're talking about what I call sensory display, aerial activity, it's either level one or level two, which is either a machine or a light. Um, and you know, how would you, how would you describe it? And I'm looking at archetypes. So we have a light in the sky that's moving around. So in the UFO community, we would call that a UAP. Some still might call that a UFO, but I, I, I tend to use the word UFO for machines, UAP for lights. It's kind of how I separate it. Okay. Despite how we're told. Um, and, but some people also call it paranormal, like as a ghost arc, you know, so, so that is a um, perspective. But when you remove that archetype and you look at the image, it's still a light in the sky, which is why it's a sensory display, because um, a sensor, uh, one of your senses was used to, to observe it. You either saw it or you heard it, uh, or perhaps it was in your mind. So it allows the possibility of psychic uh, sightings to happen because um, uh, just because somebody isn't able to take a picture of it or they took these pictures and it's not there anymore doesn't mean it wasn't actually there. And you validate the witness and characterize all these other things. It's possible they might have seen it in their mind. So the way that I do my study, when I do that with each individual people and I approach it, and, I, and I, I'm doing reports on this, of course, to, to show this show this study, um, I'm seeing um, that people are calling it different things and they have different methods. Some people can take pictures of it. Some people can uh, don't have pictures of it, but are having dreams of it. Some people meditate and then they see it. And when they all draw it and look at these images together, it doesn't matter how they got there. It's just you have, you know, it's, it appears to be interdimensional if this object is the same object that all these people are seeing. So the resemblance, the compare and contrast that I see is that they're all seeing these different types of orbs. So there's a constant, this orb exists, but we have this variance of where it might be and what reality it might be. But we have a bunch of different witnesses that are able to see it. So the so when I focus on the people, then I look at their uh, the biological data that they provide with their uh, reports on our system. So, you know, a hair color, eye color, blood type, all those other things. There seems to be commonalities with that as well. 
But oh, really? So, so there seems to be patterns that certain types of people at certain types of ages and things like that are able to um, uh, to observe this activity. So, and that kind of like doesn't make us crazy. It's just trying to understand where to look. Now, of course, I can understand the nuts and bolts community where you, how do you prove consciousness? How do you prove the stuff in your mind? How can you prove it's not a dream? That's where the investigating skill comes in because you got to build a case and you need multiple witnesses and you got to build the case the same way and take that and remove that fluff and then create a, uh, a new regulated system. So uh, I created an, an, a classification system, which is an homage to Heineck and Valet's classification scale. Um, I haven't had the privilege to uh, talk to Valet about it. I did reach out to him, um, to, but I did speak to Paul Heineck um, about it before I made it. And then he uh, told me there was no offense taken if I try to, you know, do a different scale. But essentially, it's the Heineck and Valet classification scale, just one little section in it, and the rest is all new. And the point of that is to break down all of this phenomenon and put it in these new baskets to try to understand what it could be while removing the archetype. So another example would be beings observed. So we just agree that it's a being that was observed. You can call it an alien. You can call it a ghost. You could call it a, uh, a shadow figure. You can call it whatever you want. That's, you know, it's just like uh, different religions. We all have a God. Uh, so, so that's, that's what brings us together. We can agree that there is a higher power, but we might have different characteristics or different thoughts on that. So it's kind of that same concept. And then, um, so I'm noticing that when I see like shadow figures drawn and I ask for the archetype, what they think it is, they're calling these beings that I know in the UFO community are technically aliens, but they're calling them ghosts or there's these alien figures, uh, um, so these ghostly figures and they're calling them aliens. So the people themselves also don't know what to call them, but they're observing similar things. So when I remove the labels and look at that again, I do start to see characteristics. And some of these uh, photos that I have or drawings that I have, um, there's this cloak. This cloak seems to be common. I have these shadow figures wearing cloaks. I have reptilians wearing cloaks. I have Palladians uh, wearing cloaks. So different people in different stages remember different pieces of information, but these cloaks seem to be common um, just in this particular study that I'm working on. So what that tells me is that like there's this cloak idea that we need to focus on. That's kind of all that because when the person perceives it, when the person member, uh, remembers it, there's so many things going on and you got to look at the individual and, and there's got to be a lot of belief. This is also very important. The reason why I'm able to get this much information because I, I believe that something happened. I just don't necessarily believe that what they think happened is what actually happened. And there are some cases where, especially with sexual assault, which I mentioned before, um, it's just oppressed or, or suppressed um, childhood trauma uh, that they mask between uh, an alien. Uh, it was just easier to say it was abducted by aliens than to admit that uh, you know uh, a step parent had abused them so like there's a lot of those things that kind of go in when you get into these abduction cases so what I'm finding is that there is the government who is forced to respond as they should as our leaders and they need to need to do something because it got out of hand so they're recon you know they're containing uh containing control of the information to move on to the next step and then you have people that are experiencing a phenomenon without any support whatsoever. 
Um, and then there's this great deal of trauma, anxiety, um, I wouldn't say mental illness, but there are these fears that they might be perceived as being mentally ill because they uh, uh, associate these things with that. So there's still, the people need to be taken care of. So the point of the Experience to Support Association with the investigations and all this other stuff is to provide resources to help live and cope with the experience, no matter what it is. Because even if it's, if I tell them it's not an alien, I, I have no proof of that. It's just a belief. But they're living with it every day and think it's negative. So the easiest thing for me to do is to try to help them take that negative and make it a positive. Right. Um, and then if they're changing the way they're thinking, then they change the way they feel. And if they change the way they feel, um, then uh, then everything kind of changes from there in a positive way. So if disclosure, see, it depends on who we're asking, what we're going to get in confirmation. So we'll get confirmation from a government source, a human source, to give us answers about human engineered machines that may have come from ancestors that aren't even here anymore, or were never here to begin with. That doesn't matter. We have control of the information or the machines now. But then to this supernatural kind of thing that may not actually be supernatural. It's paranormal, might not even be paranormal, it's normal now. Whereas we have these abilities that that may have always existed. And because we were not able to explore that, we're now learning that. And um, as an example, as I'm always, when I get experiential reports um, from witnesses, I get them to report all their experiences. Some might be UFO, paranormal, cryptid, all these other things. And then I timeline the ones that are uh, that I can't identify at least. And just because I can't identify it doesn't mean it's an unknown. It just means I don't know what it is and I'm hoping somebody else will. Um, but I'm seeing this pattern where it starts with some sort of what I call visitation. Because I don't like the word abduction. It implies negative off the bat. So I say visitation. So it could be negative or positive. I'm also measuring positive experiences because that's information as well. Well, some people don't want to talk about the positive stuff because it doesn't it doesn't have that threat negative, you know, a ne narrative. If it bleeds, it leads kind of type deal. But you can still get good information from those who believe in, in the angels and all that other stuff because there's those if you know how to build a case. So we're getting into this evolution pattern that I'm seeing is that these experiencers have some sort of visitation or contact at an early age. Uh, and their early child ages, uh, you know, might have a paranormal experience. Um, and then in their teenage years, there's some poltergeist activity. And then as they get older, they have this interest in, in, in uh, pseudomedicine or like Reiki or uh, uh, meditation and things like that. And then all of a sudden, close to end of life, they're like a blown out psychic and tarot reader and all these other things. So when you meet these people at different parts of their life, when you understand their history as an individual, there's signs of evolution. And it's it's possible that there was contact that was made, whether that's, and if that's human contact, then that would be the MK Ultra kind of scenario where they're experimenting with, you know, with the mind, because we know that exists. They know they, they knew something in order to test with it, whether those uh, still happens, that's, that's the thing. But something happened then. We've evolved over the years, and perhaps this this paranormal thing is is actually the real, um, I guess, wolf in sheep's clothing, if you will, the real mask that kind of tells us that we as beings aren't uh, as superior as we should be, because we're afraid of these ghosts, we're afraid of this poltergeist activity, we're afraid of this psychic stuff. But really, if it's evolution. 
then this is the way we are and it's the way we should be. So with the Expansion Support Association through the studies too, we try to want to encourage people to develop these abilities as well if they have it to prove it and to test it in the parapsychology uh, side. So the interesting thing is this poltergeist phenomenon is, you know, you get into this part where you come home and all of a sudden these cupboards are opening up and closing and all these other things. And then you automatically think nine times out of ten it's a ghost. It's threatening because it's terrifying. You want to leave your house. You want to do all these other things. You don't want to be around it. But when I get in and I talk to them and ask, put the, put it cross-examine, if you will, and, and say things like, you know, is it possible that you moved them? And when you start thinking about it, it's like, you know what, I was stressed that day. I was, uh, it was in my teenage years, you know, all the studies that suggest that, you know, I was going through puberty, like all these markers that we, that have been studied kind of exist. And you're like, you know what, maybe I didn't. And then it becomes a conversation of like, well, why don't you try and move them the next time you're feeling stress? And then I've had some cases where people come back and say, you know what, right? I tried and I moved them. What? You got it recorded and things like that. No, of course. But, you know, I'm, I'm having conversations like that. So by encouraging them to develop these abilities, um, it's it's not threatening because it's it's spreading light, encouraging them to, um, you know, to do these healing things and embrace the beings that they are so that way they can help other people. And if they help other people love each other, then there's less anger. And there's less fighting. And if confirmation is going to happen, they need more of more loving people to give this information to. When the pandemic happened, they gave information and they gave instructions. And we as a human race did not handle that well. We did toilet paper we, rush. We yeah. prior yeah, we prioritized toilet paper. So, so if that was an experiment or if that was real or if that was like a judgment on whether or not we can handle aliens, we failed. Mm -hmm. So, so, so I acknowledge and I accept all of these possibilities. My study shows me that it's not a threat. It's more focused on the people. We are the key and we are the link. So I'm focusing on the people for the future. So that way we can be ready to help those that might just realize that you know, they're, they're mutants, you know, like mutant X, X, uh, X, that kind of scenario, because we want disclosure to happen. I know some people do, but there, there's no one prepping at least what I can see, or at least anymore for what to do afterwards. My generation, the next generation, the children's generation, they're the ones that are going to take this home. Um, it's not going to be us. Yeah. So yeah. what do you say to skeptics and people that are, you know, polarized, either straight up nuts and bolts UFO or totally paranormal fringe. And those people in the middle that say the two don't exist in the same realm. In fact, I had somebody on Facebook a few days ago comment that, and it was towards Preston Dennett. We had an episode with him and he's written books on both paranormal and ufology. So it's mm -hmm. a relevant topic to ask him those questions. And some people had said, you know, he brought up a lot of really sensational experiences and they're like, why didn't you hammer them and say, hey, where's the proof and this and that? And, uh, you know, again, that's not our flavor of show. We don't do that anyway. We believe totally. And I think myself personally, ever since speaking to George Knapp, when mm -hmm. he's describing, you know, the hitchhiker effect from going to Skinwalker Ranch mm -hmm. and, you know, a nuts and bolts ufology guy is now having weird poltergeist stuff happen at home and his wife and even Colin Keller, his partner and his wife and all the rest. So 
I'm more open to it, but we're also in the field. We're talking to experts mm-hmm. every week and we're and on the front line of this stuff, but there's still a generation of ufologists that want to believe that don't see the intersect. And do you think there's well, a disconnect there or is that just our own bias? You know what? And I myself included, I was like that uh, in the beginning. I think first time we had Ryan on, I was still on the fence. I was not convinced that this stuff sure. happens and now I'm more convinced. So yeah, well, that's it, a- uh, yeah it, I mean, it's, Okay, there's a lot to die, to break down there. So, so it either all exists or none of it exists. I agree. Okay. Yeah. So, so if none of it exists, then we uh, just have this fantasy, and this is a hope that we want to we've created this religion. We've created to know that there's life after there, so we have a a, a, a reason to be slaves to the government and pay our taxes. You know, it's it's hope. Or so um, death isn't so scary. You know? Or so death isn't so scary. Yeah. So so yeah, exactly. There's got to be a purpose for it. If yeah. it does exist, and therefore then what the, what we're doing is for a reason to help a higher power for something else for whatever reason. So either way, there's purpose. Yeah. Um, so to be right wing and left wing or one side or the other side and not be able to tether, there's 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 a there's personality in that, there's culture in that, there's there's hard beliefs. Um, there's economic motivation behind that. Um, so, so if you're a science guy, you can't talk ta- talk about these taboo stuff because you lose you lose your um, your funding, you know, yeah. uh, and things like that. So a lot of people are tight lipped because they don't want to lose their academia and all these other alumni, other associations, and things like that too. Paranormal side, I mean, they dream to be honored as an academic, but they can't be welcomed into that because they're ridiculed with people from like ghost adventures that think that you can wear tight shirts and 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 uh, scare the ghost away, you know. And as a risk analysis, you know, the worst thing that I would, t- the last thing I would do is entice anything without knowing its true capability. And if you're you know, yelling at an unseen force in the middle of a dark area by yourself, and this this entity does exist, you're going to lose. So it's not Stephen Hawking fun. said that I think <laughs> we shouldn't be out there shouting in the universe because we don't know what's out there and what might happen. Could be nasty. So another interesting parallel to help you guys understand where I'm at. It, like I said, it all exists, and the reason why it all exists is because the people exist. The people are experiencing phenomenon. What's not being completely understood on a whole because we're lack of answers is what's the cause of the phenomenon. But but we are able to experience it. So we compare ourselves and what we do and how we do, then we can understand that we have the ability to um, do these things. Like with the auras, uh, um, the energy healing with Reiki, like that's all human normal stuff. But like the when you get into propaganda and and mainstream media and all these uh you know subliminal messaging and stuff i kind of feel like paranormal and ufology were kind of twins at birth and then separate uh you know in in terms of um making fun of one which is actually the truth um and then now we're starting to focus more on the science side um you know, to kind of have control of that. It's almost like, you know, if the in the witch burning ages when the women were more, uh, still are, you know, of course, but but then, uh, you know, they were afraid of, of them because they, they had an understanding of science at a greater level than, uh, than the men did at that time. So there's, a, there's these fear things going on. So with the, let's look at the Ouija board as a medium, as a tool. 
And then we compare that to a CE5, which is a, um, you know, a meditation practice uh, that you would do to try and summon UFOs. So the CE5 movement would use a radio signal, a machine, they would meditate, and then they would intentionally try to make contact with extraterrestrials. The seance is, is a board with letters and all these other things on it. And they would set the mood, set candles, meditate, and try to make a connection with spirit. So the human is a constant in that. They're both meditating in that sense, and they're both putting intentional thought out there. And when you get that response, that immediate reaction, we don't we don't know if it's extraterrestrial, there's an assumption, and we don't know if it's ghost, it's an assumption. But the other thing that we're not taking into effect is there's other people in that room projecting thoughts. So how do we know as receivers of this information, we're not receiving a thought from some other human being from somewhere else? So if I'm meditating right now and my goal is to put energy out there and love out there to say, you know what? So for all the people that are having a bad day, I'm going to say this mantra, this is going to be for everyone. And then somewhere else that you guys are meditating in your space or praying to your God because you're having a bad day and you want an answer. And then all of a sudden you hear my words of wisdom and you think it's God, but you don't know that but you hear it you picked it up and you go on your day so so there's there's if you normalize it it's not it's uh, it's us it's, it's basically where i'm getting which makes which kind of removes the woo which doesn't make it all fancy but the reason why it's not all fancy is because there's a lot of people in this industry who are making a lot of profit off of it yeah Sell and books. selling the threat narrative, you know, right. if you're military trained through mm-hmm. and through, I like to say when you're a hammer, I think Stephen Greer said it and I've kind of stole it. But when you're a hammer, all you see are nails. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that those who were trained that way to be constantly paranoid and for good reason in war, but mm-hmm. in your day to day and social interactions, that's not necessarily the best way to go about things. Right. That in yes. itself is a limiting bias because you're not mm-hmm. necessarily as open to the other side. Mm-hmm. So, hence is this paradigm where we're all somewhere on this spectrum in terms of our belief. And uh, we mentioned it on Dave Scott's show that they say you should never discuss religion and politics with your friends. Well, this topic delves it's into both. both of those terms, you yeah. know, it has religious yeah. implications and political mm-hmm. ones, especially if they've been withholding things and are continuing to do that. So that is that realm and it's a big rabbit hole. And, and who wants to admit to that? You know, so like it's, it's, it's the way it was. I mean, with our, the queen passing too, things are going to change with the King, you know, like like there's, there's, there's the world's in for a a big shift and, and you know, why not, you know, this could be a different type of reset, but the world is resetting. Um, Yeah. So like where I'm, where my heart's at though is is it's just trying to be available and understanding um to the experiencers because like my job i have to in my career i need to balance thoughts i need to balance evidence and i need to cater to the emotions of either party so like uh if i'm dealing with a child custody dispute you know both parents are trying to prove the other parent unfit but i you know but the things that they do to prove the other parent unfit isn't fair to the children so we got to think of the children. It's what matters for the children. And then you got to do the job, get paid and do all these other things. And hopefully that that child has, has a thing. So these experiencers are the children, you know, and, 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 and the parents, I guess, is, is the, you know, mainstream media and the government, you know, like all fighting over truth and answers or whatever, but like, like who's, who's taking care of, 
of, of our children because it, what happens you know there's there's a lot all that stuff needs to be uh, taken into consideration but there's untreated having it untreated is dangerous as well so if if the phenomenon exists there are people that are affected by PTSD anxiety and traumas and things like that that should be getting mental health support or mental health uh, guidance maybe not, not don't, don't necessarily need to be medicated but they need to at least be able to talk to mental health professionals uh, to rule out a couple things maybe they do have schizophrenia maybe they do have things like that but they might not even be related to the event but maybe they are psychic maybe they are special maybe they are gifted you know um so i kind of view this community of experiencers as like you know a group of people that are experiencing a phenomenon that is untreated and 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 by treated, I don't mean it needs to be cured or it needs to be fixed. It just needs to be identified and balanced so we can stop being afraid of it. Right? I think Kevin Day is a perfect example of a guy who has PTSD as a result of this. You know, he was involved with the Tic Tac incident and you see him on uh, Caroline Corey's A Tear in the Sky. And he's noticeably shaking and emotional about this. Now, he doesn't have PTSD from seeing his buddy get blown to pieces beside him. It's from a UAP experience or whatever, paranormal, whatever you want to classify it as. Some weird shit happened and he was ridiculed and everything else. And that is partially part of the PTSD was the after effect, but and, it's and, cause and, and effect. And the cause was one of these experiences. And it, for some people that are maybe are already borderline in that dealing with other things as well, this is enough to really push them over the edge and good right. on you for having a support group because- People need it. They don't know who to talk to. And you don't want to be made a fool of or look, you know, weak to people or be vulnerable. So they need this type of support. They do. And we're not the only ones doing this type of uh, philosophy, or if you will, this type of, uh, there's a lot of people trying to help experiencers who understand this concept. What I'm trying to do is regulate it so that way when I make referrals that I'm referring them to actual people that have the credentials that they claim that they have. Because when you get into pseudotherapy or pseudo, um, uh, yeah, pseudotherapy, I think uh, that's fine with that, like uh, hypnosis and Reiki, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know, they have to make money off of that, but they're going to buy into, there are some people in this industry that buy into the UFO abduction phenomenon and buy into uh, the possibility of them being abducted so that way they can receive payment to do their treatment on it. But some of these hypno hip, hip, hypnotherapists are re-victimizing because they're not psychologists. They're not doing all these other things, not the proper mental health. So there's a, there are supports out there that I can refer these people to, but they're not good enough. So I want better supports for these people. And when I find more regulated data, I add it to the website to be free and things like that, of course, too. But I I can only, like, my role is like, well, how do I, I need experts, okay? So, like, I, I am a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but I don't, I need a team of experts in which I can take all the samples and all the study and all these people that are coming to me for answers. And I need to, I need to um, refer them to people that I can trust. So another example that I could use for that is if you go to a crime scene as a police officer, you don't know it's a crime scene, but you identify it as a crime scene and you look and there's blood everywhere. You know enough in your police training that that 
is forensic evidence and that can't be touched and it needs to stay that way until the experts come and yeah. control the sample. Right. So, so in here, garden scene, talking to the witnesses, getting all this information, making my notes as the police officer, doing all those things. And then the forensic unit comes in, takes a sample, and then we wait and lab comes back and tells me and I match the blood. Then I make the arrest. So I'm in that police officer kind of stage, but I don't have any, I don't have any CSI. I don't have, I have all these people that I've spoken to. I have all these people that need help. I have, I know all the things that could help. I could refer them to, but I don't have any experts. Right. And the reason why I don't have any experts is every ones that have come my way. When I ask them to prove me that they have the credentials that they claim that they have, they don't have them. And I can't in good faith refer someone to someone who's not licensed or practice uh, in that practice to treat the experiencer with anything. I'm not going to send them to a doctor who doesn't have a you know a, a license to practice. So so that's what I'm trying to also do is find people that do have these credentials that are able to break that stigma and and maybe are self-employed like myself when there's no one can fire me, you know, uh, and I can be free and say whatever I want and practice that and then and then create these resources for these people because and if it's not my job to prove that aliens exist or ghosts exist, it's just to it's to treat the anxieties as it is because once I de-escalate and I get another report, they either rationalize it as something logical, we move on, or they give me information that gives me closer to identifying what it may or may not be and I kind of narrow it all down and remove uh, remove the trauma. Right. And I have a better understanding of what it is that I'm looking at. And then even when I do all that and rule all these things out and compound it, do a compare and contrast i'm still left with things that these people are seeing and observing that don't make sense they're not biologically sound so there is evidence of something existing but it just in it's in this space that at least with a crime scene you have the physical blood you can visually see it you're investigating things that are in people's minds their thoughts they're mm -hmm. they're either super you know elevated in terms of receiving or in terms of sending so that's mm -hmm. a hard thing to quantify. I mean, that's the main and, argument and to topic on UFO it, Twitter. How do you quantify yeah, it? UFO Twitter is a disease. But, yeah. Oh, it's uh, fun. It's well fun. said. <laughs> I, I, so anyone who listens, uh, I always say this uh, as a preface. I'm on UFO Twitter to work. I'm, not, I'm on Facebook to play. So you want to have fun, come to Facebook. You want to have a you want to have a bad time troll me on Twitter. Speaking so, of which, where can people find you if they want to get involved with your organization or learn more? Where can they find your uh, yeah? Information? So uh, you can find everything that I do on the Tessa website. So it's experiencersupport.org. Um, that's where my research is, my investigations, and all that other stuff, as well as some programs that we have. If you want to follow me as an individual? I'm on Facebook at Heat the World. Uh, and on Twitter, he the world RS underscore RS. I'm all over the place, but I'm trying that TikTok thing that don't work. That don't work well. I'm not one of those guys. It's hard to get a hold of, like just the hang of the whole thing. And well, you know. I can't make fun of it. It's not. It's not a game. It's trying to. It's serious. This is yeah. people are getting. Uh, there's something serious going on. Yeah, and, you're not going to do it, a shuffle dance with an alien standing beside you. No, right? it's no, it's not, and that's not my style. Um, and, and I, I'm taking this as a criminal approach. Right. And it's, it's the same thing I do every day, whether I'm investigating a um, infidelity, like cheating husband or, or spouse or wife, pardon me, 
missing children. I do that too. Whatever I'm trying to trying to figure out, the investigating process is the same, and I'm trying to find the person or persons that are responsible. So that's why it's so easy for me to find all this information to to land into this human element to know and trust that okay that it's not something that the whole world is going to lose its mind over. So now we can kind of dial in and focus in on these people and be like and reassure them that I don't think uh, but perhaps you're able to see another space of time. Maybe they're able to see the future. Maybe they're able to see the past. It's not up to me. Um, there's no way that anyone could tell anybody to control their thoughts or what they or how their dreams work. You ever like have a dream and wonder, you know, where the hell that came from? Like, where does that stuff come from? Like, there's no way to regulate that. But the people, if it if it leads to people to do good, then I want to encourage them to do more of that. What I don't want to see is the fear and the panic and anxiety from them thinking that they're being abducted or they're being harmed or they're being taken. And if these things do happen, I kind of want them, I want to kind of have them believe that it's a dream if it's possible. But if it's, if they think it's a, not a dream and it's a reality and all these things happen, can't argue that. So then that's when you just continue to have these, they continue to report and they continue to provide um, images and things like that. They're, a lot of our people are seeing the same thing. So we're having a shared shared phenomenon. That's where I need experts like Pali and, and all these other people to kind of say, like, yeah, this this is what that means. And this is what that means. You know, parapsychology is kind of kind of in my alley too. Both people understand the human element. But it's it it's it is connected to UFOs because if 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 the paranormal people can connect through consciousness there's remote viewing which uses consciousness to some degree to control these ufos or these drones or these uaps we talked so, about that before ryan uh, on the podcast a few times about how yeah. the consciousness of these crafts uh, the crafts appear to be conscious like they they can see all around they're able to fly at the speed of thought because that's literally the speed at which these things take off is the speed of thought, at least the speed of my thoughts. Uh, maybe some people are faster. But, yeah, we, we talked about that a bit. Even some um, alien abductions where some of the kids were allowed to fly the crafts and that the crafts yeah. operated and they, on and their consciousness. Their yeah. Exactly. It's, it's not uh, it's not old. It's old news. It's, 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 just, it's just we don't have confirmation and that's the way that it is. We have documentation that shows they were studying it. We have documentation that they were trying, they were aware of saucer technology and they were perhaps trying to reverse engineer it and all these other things. We have evidence of all these things taking place. What's missing is the silence that when the day they decided, you know, we're not, we're keeping this quiet, you know, all these years and whether or not they continue to work on these projects in, in, uh, in silence. And now we are getting to an age where everyone has a cell phone, everyone can take pictures, everyone can do all these other things, more evidence is coming forward. Um, and eventually it's going to get to a point that if it does exist, someone's going to catch something. Yeah. Uh, and then, and, and, and then to we'll your point about, you know, ESP and people who can do remote viewing and all that, yeah. I like to think of it as we are not human beings having spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings mm -hmm. having a human experience. And when you look at it that way, the idea of inter-travel and all the rest is not so crazy because we can become transmedium. And I mean, yeah. even the art of meditation is to access or download from that 
main consciousness, right? So uh, this is a temporary phase. And I think that fits within religion too, that says there was a before you, there's your life, but then there's going to be an afterlife somehow. And whether that's just in a reassuring sense or whether it's actually true, we don't know. But it makes more sense to me if we are indeed spiritual beings that have the potential of multiple lives or no no beginning, no end. If we are that seed of creation, we don't expire. Our bodies may, but, you know, that spark that's within everything and in life itself, Mm -hmm. it never goes away. This is just a human experience for a spiritual body. And the people are the body and Mm -hmm. becoming the evidence. But so are the entities as well. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, Just because some of the entities as well, they you know, they express the consciousness is the same that, you know, when somebody looks at a gray and the gray says you and I are the same, whatever, what are they referring to? Right. There's mm-hmm. Physically, we're not the same at all, but consciously we might all be the same. There might be some sort of galactic consciousness that every species becomes aware of and we become a collective who knows. Or they're them or they're us in the future. If you yeah. look at Michael, Paul we, gotta look at, we gotta look at the timeline. We either coexist or, or pre-exist or future and you know, pro-exist, whatever that would be. Um, the first degree in masonry working tools, part of that lecture says the, uh, the root material receives its fine finish from repeated efforts alone and nothing short indefatigable exertion. So induce the habit of virtue, enlighten the mind and render the soul pure. That line is speaking about consciousness. And, and so, so like the, there is a lot of consciousness discussion. Um, if you were to look at the, at the rituals. In, in masonry so and i just kind of want to put that out there to kind of show give evidence to an ancient tradition that has existed for a long time so this knowledge has been known and it got to a point where they didn't want us to know this anymore and then and- now we're getting to the point where we're evolving and we're we don't know what's going on we can't control it and it's like we're going through puberty, but as a social, as, yeah. As I, I want to touch on your your working tools lecture because I'm also a Freemason. And yeah. to the point of, you know, imagine taking a block in rude form and making yeah. it straight and whatever. You have the hammer and the chisel. So right. if the establishment is the hammer, mm-hmm. it is nothing without that indefiable or indefatigable effort mm-hmm. of that chisel. chisel. You cannot yeah. take a hammer and make something precise. It is rude and unrefined. Whereas the but chisel you, you is where you the, put on your you fine, the, fine you finish. Them, so. You need them both. We are right. the chisels of ufology, people. That's right. So you understand that. Little cryptid there. Borderline. Well, there was, that's not really a secret. That's just, just, that's just a passage. Nothing you can't find on Google at this that's point. Right. But I mean, the point is everybody knows this or everybody knew this. And then they stop telling us that. But then it's by stopping. I mean, it was replaced with Christianity. I guess we're Catholicism and there's still the Holy Trinity, which is consciousness too. So consciousness is present in, in a lot of things and it's overlooked in mainstream media. So I don't care too much about the UFOs and the UAPs because like that is not, uh, that is like, that's man's problem. You know, man wants to uh, be man, you know, and, and they want to put the, you know, spaceship on the moon and they can't even do that again <laughs> but you know seems like uh, we're having a rough uh, yeah a rough time doing that yeah yeah so, so let's put before putting the cart before the horse i guess in that sense but like 
you know, that's a man's issue. So the the intellectual part, the 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 magic, if you will, all exists in North mythology, which is like, you know, I mean, we're po- it's a positive a positive thing. Male and female was never negative. Uh, if you if you actually go back and look at all the things that we oppress, that we had oppressed, that we're now all of a sudden accepting, we're all the things that were plentiful back in the day too. You know, uh, you know, um, you know, all these things like um, African Americans, females, um, homosexuality, all those things like that. Those were those were banned, and in, in, uh, but at one point prior to now, they were also accepted. And and there was and all these things were common, and the way that people lived their lives, and that spiritual, and that consciousness, and that magic, all that things was there in mythology. If it's myth, but if it was reality, it was oppressed, it was stopped, so we couldn't do that anymore. So man could take over. I don't know, but now we're starting to take back, and we're fighting. So so like there's there's it's interesting the way that the human is evolving. What does that mean? For the rest of the world, I don't know, but I just I just kind of feel with my efforts, if I focus on the people today, then the future will be better no matter where we end up. Because if, if I'm wrong, which I could very well be, and aliens do exist and UFOs do have an extraterrestrial nature, because that's still a possibility. Um, I hope that a lot of people don't like raid our toilet paper as a response to hearing <laughs> that. Yeah, Because, you know... I take care of the people. But it, no. Ryan, Ryan, in your experience, mm-hmm. have you had some people that you're just like, there's no way that this is legit. Like they're pulling your leg. They're not cooperating with you or their story doesn't seem to be collaborating with somebody else's. Like there's got to be those cases that you get occasionally that don't add up. Yeah. So, I mean, that is subjective to my, uh, my interpretation and my own, understanding of the of of what i'm trying to prove as well so like i try to do statement analysis analysis on everything as well um i i try to take like the statement as it is verbatim and then i summarize it and then i try to add in all the things that i need to have to come to the conclusion and then i ask these questions to to the witnesses so sometimes even with mufon you either get a response or you don't Right. So if you don't get a response, it's inconclusive because you don't you don't have these answers. You don't know why they they, they did all these things. So in to it's everything is possible um, to some things that don't line up might be like a day or two off of the uh, the date. Like it, 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 there has to be it has to be reasonable. Right. So if if someone tells me that the date was this and they send me the file and it was two days before. You know, that doesn't mean they're lying. They're just, they're just, just from memory, right? But they did have the evidence. So that evidence kind of uh, uh, reinforces the fact that the event did occur, right? Right. So if there's lack of evidence, is hard. So when they don't have evidence, so they can't take a, a so by evidence, I mean demonstrative evidence. So they can't take a photo or uh, a video. I ask them to draw. So if they're drawing things, then they're spending the time doing it. Um, they're answering my questions. They're going back and forth. Um, they're not arguing with me. I look, I look kind of looking at it that way to see what their participation level is. Um, and then from there, I kind of establish the credibility of the character. Um, whether I believe the scenario to be true or not, that's not up to me because that's what I'm trying to figure out what exactly is happening. But I'm understanding this rapport with the experiencer uh, that I know that if I need to ask questions, they'll answer them for me. 
you know, and, and then if I rule out all these things and investigate properly, then I should be at this, this, this situation where I'm comfortable and I'm confident that the experiencer believes what they believe and what they think they know. And they respect me enough to challenge these beliefs. And this is where we end up together in the middle. Because if I say it's this when in with the same amount of proof or same amount of evidence, that's just my interpretation. That's my belief. And that person might accept it because they think whatever they think of me in that moment. I might be the only person they've ever talked to in this subject, you know, or they might have talked to, uh, you know, valet before me and think I'm just uh, I'm out to lunch. You know, like there's there's different perspectives on whoever I'm talking to. But I always treat it as if I'm the only person that they have. And I need to make sure uh, and that we we come to a balanced thought. So when I do that process, I never get a feeling that they're being deceitful or dishonest because they're putting a lot of effort into that. Um, there's because at that point it's private, there's no monetary gain, there's nothing that they can get. All those rules are kind of defined and it's done in an anonymous setting. When some people are kind of hoaxing, it's kind of obvious in the things, but like if I send an email out to them and I don't get a response back and I don't get evidence, whether they're a crackpot or not, or or just simply out of touch, or they don't want to respond because they're afraid and things like that, that doesn't matter. I don't have evidence. I can't do my job. That case is closed. I'm focusing on those that do connect. Right. Less is more. And so I spend more time with less people asking and, and going back and forth and studying and then comparing them to others. I learn more about the phenomenon through the people. And have you found a, a demographic, like something, you know, either an so, age group or, or a yeah. specific type of person that gets taken? So I'm, I'm working on two reports right now. I'm, I'm doing my Canadian current event survey for the year 2021, which is my drone and UFO report for Canada. Um, I do that report for the for the science nuts and bolts guys because to remove the paranormal for it. But basically all these UFO sightings that you see me post for K-Doors, mm -hmm. I get all the freedom information requests. I do an investigation with all the evidence. And then I try to, I try to debunk all of them, I try to prove that they're all like normal things. Um, once that report's done, the other report that I'm doing is the experiencer side, which is the, the, the civilian uh, UAPs and UFO reports, paranormal, uh, cryptid beings, all that other stuff, all that fun stuff, if you will. Um, and that's actually, I'm calling it the pandemic edition because it's going to be year 2020, 21, and 22. No, and 19. It's going to be a four-year study. So that four years, because I have to play catch up and get all this data, and I was building a new website, there's a bit of a pause, but I'm going to have four years of, of work. So 200 plus cases of experience data that I'll be able to show those demographics. So um, I don't have the number dialed in, but from previous reports, you know, it's been females have been common and it's been within like the 30 to 40 uh, age range. Um, it's uh, believe it or not, the blood type is in a positive as a oh, common really? dread, not the O negative, which is uh, what we were told at some part with the ancient astronaut theory. So like there's different information that comes, but that's when you see the study, it's also based on my interpretation of of the data, but it's also trusting that the people are giving me accurate information too. Right. So, so you know, so um, I'm also seeing we're seeing trends in obviously Ontario because I'm from Ontario, so that's where my highest marketing is coming from because it is a business you got to market right. So there are there are certain characteristics in there, but that's why I focus on the things that can't change. So blood type. Um, 
your uh, skin color that can't change, your hair color that can't, well, it can change, but like, you know, your predominant one, your eye color, all those things that you're kind of born with. Um, to Is there more like more brunettes being abducted than blondes or anything like that that you've noticed? Um, that I, is in a new study, so I don't have that data yet. But blue okay. eyes, blue eyes is common. There you go. Right. So you can associate that fact with other things, but I mean, that's, it's just common in my study that does, I haven't, I haven't investigated everybody in the world, you know, like it's a, you have to extrapolate that, but I mean, it's just for me, what I'm trying to do when I get it's, I asked this question on, on Twitter the other day too, uh, cause I like the polling option, um, is what's more, is the data, what is it? What's more important, the data itself or what you do with the data once you have it? And, and so, cause a lot of people like to put stats out. A lot of people like to do all these things and read it and write about it and all those things. Uh, like Rutowski does that. He puts stats out, but I mean, nobody does anything with it. And, and, and half the stats are from other people's work. It's Mufon's work, it's my work, it's everybody else's work. And he's the guy on, uh, on the TV, but at least, at least it's getting around. But I mean, the nothing's being done with that data. So when I get this data, once I have it done, it's going to help me build a case where A, I have a sample of people that have this criteria that I I believe gives the highest probability to make some sort of contact, whether that's extraterrestrial or paranormal. If I'm going to do a CE5 or if I'm going to do a seance, I want these people in the room because the highest probability of them, uh, of me making contact and seeing that, it's likely that these people will be able to do that because they all share these characteristics. When you do these things as a hobby and you go and you have fun, you got a variance of people showing up. Some are enthusiasts, some are just curious, some are drunk because you get drunk when you go to those ghost tours. Who knows? But if you get an actual controlled sample doing these things, I hypothesize that we should be able to move the object. You know, and if we can't, then I narrow down my study and try to figure out how to get the perfect sample to figure out if it's possible. That's the science. Um, Then with the trauma data, what I'm going to kind of what I'm hoping to do is kind of tackle the disclosure part at the appropriate time in a different angle. I'm not going to be asking for confirmation. I'm just going to be bringing awareness that there are people affected mentally by this phenomenon. And I need resources to take care of these people. Now, are you, sorry, Ryan, are you planning on going to the Canadian government with this? Like to, to get some sort of steady and funding going? Awareness. I, uh, whatever comes out of it uh, will come out of it. But I mean, I think I would start with a peaceful, peaceful protest in the sense of having experiencers together where we could basically be comfortable and and free and and show that we are experiencers, we are affected, and we're ready. We've got to create awareness to the people. Getting it on mainstream media is, is in the science thing is very hard, but if you get a group of people together in one spot that all believe that they were abducted by aliens and they want answered, Right. Probably going to get answers a little quicker. But that uh, that's not next year. That's the year after. So I'm building. Uh, I'm in year. Um, what year am I in? I'm in the rebuild year. Next year's unity. And then contact is the final year in my business plan. But 
So you got uh, it all laid out, my man. I do. I had, well, I had my own psychogenic consciousness experience. So that's where, where I am influenced. So I have to, that's why I kind of, I believe it to be human. I might've just picked up a radio signal or something like that. I don't, I don't think it's unstable or anything to that effect, but there is some sort of foresight um, that I seem to be, that I seem to feel. And whenever I, I pay attention to that feeling and I work in that direction, everything is positive. So that's where the energy works. So there is some direction um, towards a need for this. I just don't know when. And is this all discovered for you, Ryan? Like it's through investigations, through talking to people, like this was all discovered along the way. Like, did you start yeah. off a lot more sort of, I would say narrow-minded, but a little bit more narrow on your way of thinking and it, it expanded yeah. as you were so studying when, this phenomenon? When, when I started, I knew nothing about even ghosts. I just thought it was just, just, just cool and spooky and Halloween thing. Right. And then when I started to get into ufology and the nuts and bolts and science and realizing that it's just a bunch of ugly people doing ugly things, I was turned off on it, but then it was taking care of the people. And then even when I was with MUFON and they reported abductions and con and things that weren't considered consciousness, the things of their mind and all these things that MUFON were trying to wrap around and say it was, you know, stuff they didn't want to touch. And I started giving more attention to the consciousness part. I, I felt for the people, but I didn't really understand consciousness. I didn't understand dimensions. I didn't understand all these things. And even in masonry, some of that stuff, I had to go to a couple degrees a couple of times to understand the lectures and things like that. You don't, you don't, you don't, you know. That's why they give you the book. That's why, they, yeah, but you still, you still, you know, every time you do a first degree, you're all like, oh, forgot about that you know and then like you know uh and all these other things my favorite degree is the second degree but um you know so then i get to this point where i'm not understanding what consciousness is and i how do i explain this like i'm not a scientist i can't i'm not an expert i like i need to understand it in such a way that i can at least work with the people because the people want answers right. and I'm not, and I can't explain it because I can't get it. And I feel like it's gotta be wrong or maybe I'm silly. Maybe I'm stupid. I can't get it. But then all of a sudden um, in this trauma, the stress that I had where I was, didn't belong in MUFON. I didn't want to be a part of MUFON anymore, but I didn't want to abandon the people. And I, I needed to still help the people, but didn't know how. And I had this vision, this dream, this idea, this map, which is on the Tesla website. If you go to about, uh, us and click the map, you'll see this map is a geometric map. This was a vision that I had of this map. And that's what TESA was built off of. TESA was on that. And later the Experience Support Association came and all these things. And as I, uh, this map that came to me from wherever it came from, when it came from, however it came from, with no instructions, every time I reflected on it, it's got a piece of all these things that I've been talking about. There's symbolism in there. There's masonry symbolism in there. At first, I thought it was just my brain putting together all these all these rituals, but there's there's Eastern Star in there. There's Templars. There's a whole bunch of things. There's there's even flat Hearst stuff that's in there. Like there's a whole bunch of uh, different types of things that I didn't know anything about. And then I started talking to the people. And when I started talking to the people, and then I go back and look at this map, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing the map in different dimensions. So this map, although it's two dimensional. My, my wish, my, my prayer, whatever I was in my dark time, 
that I was trying to figure out helped me. That message that I got was a two-dimensional map that helped me understand 10 dimensions in the physical room by working with this map. So like, we don't have time to get into that, but I'm just I'm just saying to, to, to your point that it was at that moment when I understood the possibilities, that breaking point where like this not this can't be real. It became this is real. It yeah. is possible, but it can't be proven. So how do I prove it? Now, how do I prove anything? This comes from my training. If I go to court and I need to testify against my evidence, but if there's a cross-examination and I need to send someone to jail, I need witnesses. I need testimony. So I'm building a team of witnesses with with testimony and I'm regulating it because I understand how the court system works. I don't understand the political system, but I do understand, uh, I do know people who do, and I do know how, and I do help give people that information so they can write their articles and do these things. Um, you know, so, but I do know how to handle myself in a courtroom. So that's kind of how I'm, I'm prepping everything so that way I'm asking the right question at the right time to the right people. And that is a human rights approach because our people are the ones that are mentally being hijacked or borrowed in their sleep to operate these crafts or the medications that all of us are prescribed to are too high and we need to we need to lower the dosage you know like there's something going on the phenomenon is real and our people are experiencing something yeah and there's lots of science and theories and understanding but it's just guessing they don't have confirmation either but they're it it makes sense it's close but then the government what do we want from the government the government needs to have control so the government will not tell us it exists unless they have control it needs to be regulated marijuana wasn't legalized in canada until they were able to regulate it and tax it it was good for many many years they're gonna tax abductions now <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've had 14 this year so yeah abduction tax yeah, yeah. it becomes entertainment like skinwalker ranch but like yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe they do good work on that too. That's that's that is a good show in terms of that's a hard show. Like they actually do science and they kind of make it entertaining. So I, you know, but that's a challenge. He gets a little, Brandon gets a lot of flack on that. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. talked. The Skinwalker yeah. Ranch is a is this it's its own thing, and like mm-hmm. we've discovered by talking with George Knapp uh, and even Colm Kelleher that uh, Thomas Winterton as well. From yeah, the yeah. exactly. The, those guys they they're legit, and they're saying that there's something there, that something yeah. weird is going on, and yeah. it's you know they can actually study it now. They got scientists there doing actual work and studying this phenomenon. Yeah. So. And and they and you got a media company that's paying them to do that work so it could be broadcast and entertain entertain yeah. America. So like you can, you can, there's a business side of it. And if you can accept that, it makes sense. And then there's the science side of that. There's a lot of people putting effort in citizen science, citizen journalism, citizen, all these other things. Eventually we're going to figure it out. And if we figure it out, you know, what there do goes do our jobs? <laughs> well, well, not yeah. really. That's why I'm focusing on the people is, is, is what do you do next? Focus on the future. Right. Someone's going to figure it out. And if someone doesn't figure it out, someone's going to debunk it. Someone's going to, you know, uh, someone is going to give you both sides of that. When you're working with your with your people, um, that's what matters because I wouldn't be here if these people didn't report to me. 
if these yeah. people didn't spend time just as much time with me as I spent with them, I wouldn't have any information to talk about, to theorize, to hypothesize about. I'm still could be wrong, but I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm close with some group, but the groups that I'm close with um, are not the UFO Twitter people who are, you know, still right in their own, tackling the same beast from a different side. But I'd like to see that effort, the same effort focused on the people, but there's a need for that too. Yeah. Right. It, it's all, it's, it's no good or there's no bad investigations in towards the subject, whether it's ufology or, or any science on anything. We have a tremendous amount of people that are dedicating their time and resources, yourselves included, to keep the narrative going. And that needs to be recognized. Um, as the with the Experience and Support Association too, we also help, um, you know, we we sell memberships and things like that too, but we also help try to take good programs and make them better. There's another mixed kind of uh, in, intuition, right? Like we're trying to also build this this um, this network where it's not just Canadian, but it's American too. So I'm focusing on Canada. I'm doing Canadian topics. I could be in the U.S. game as well. But what about Canada? You know, these are our people, right? So, and I kind of feel that if we have this network of different countries that come together on the citizen side and we can compare notes, we can come to these answers too. Like there's, we got to work together. But... We're all like, like Rutowski's doing his thing. Cameron's doing his thing. Uh, Otis is the journalist. He's doing his thing. Um, but in the end, we're all, we're all working on that same article. We're all, uh, we're all pushing the same thing to get an answer. And if Transport Canada is going to say nothing, then I suspect the House of Commons is also going to say nothing. And then for me, that's it. But there's going to still, this UFO Twitter community is not going to accept that. There's no belief. You still have to trust the government with something. All right. I'll kind of leave it on that in terms of like, sure, the government could lie and the government has lied and the government's made mistakes and can make mistakes. But can you, what can we trust the government with? So, so if these extraterrestrials exist or if these crafts exist, we can trust that they've been able to per, to keep it under wraps and protect us from it. We can trust that every time our aircrafts uh, in Canada come across them, they're not threatened by them. They're not getting killed by them. We're not being, uh, you know, um, uh, blown up by them. So something is going on. We're aware of it. So we can trust. And even though we don't know the source of it, we can trust that it's handled. Yeah. And we can trust that the government is protecting us because that's their job. And we don't need to know everything on how everything works. We want to know because we just are trying to understand why we are feeling the way that we're feeling. And if we work more on ourselves and, and we and we focus on the things that bug us and spread more love than, than negative energy, then we'll stop. We don't need to ask those questions anymore. We're happy and then we just be and then we evolve. So I trust that that no matter what side, where we get this affirmation from the government, whether they cover it up or I cover it up, I mean, um, close it so that we know more information can come out um, or they tell us a little bit. It's it's taken in consideration for the betterment of the entire world. 
and majority of the people that need that message um, will hear it. Well and said. if they decide not to tell us anything, then that could also be the truth. But if you believe it to be them still covering it up, then trust that majority of the world is not ready to handle it and help me and others get the world ready to accept it in the future. Right. And we, we are trying hard on this podcast, trying to have people like yourselves that are talking about this, that are uh, helping people out. Um, Again, uh, Louis, do you have any questions for our guests before we no, close? No, I will just uh, extend a very uh, warm thanks to uh, Ryan Stacy. It's nice to have a, a big mind on this type of thing and Thank sort you. of be that middle ground between the polarized ufologists, mysticism, paranormal. You know, there is, they all intersect. They're like three circles, mm -hmm. but there's an overlap in between each of those tri-quadrant sort of things, right? So, And, and these so, communities have challenges working with each other. For sure. And I understand those challenges. Um, like the Flat Earth Movement, those people drive a lot of people crazy because of the, the idea, the possibility. And there's a lot of evidence out there that we can't prove one way or another, but it's a different belief and it's just as equal um, as us fighting this other topic. So if you look at them as human beings, they're fighting for a similar cause, but they can't talk to each other. And what I understand with talking to that community is I'll tell you that I learned more about how possible and probable that the original moon landing might have been a hoax, not from a ufologist, but from someone who, who believes the Earth is flat, because they're also trying to prove that NASA is lying. So that common effort helps kind of narrow down where to get the, get the information from. So not only do I have to understand how all this stuff works, I need to understand what all these communities are fighting for and understand whether or not the effort, you know, what it all comes down to, and what it all comes down to is that belief that what we're told and what we're experiencing doesn't match up. And we need to understand why what we see and what we feel and what we're understanding isn't what we're told. Because we're smart enough to know that, you know, things don't make sense. I'm just talking in general terms. So it's it's also connecting the academic communities and all these other different factions to kind of reprogram their thoughts on how everyone is that everyone like all all man on deck every man on deck kind of scenario. And we need that. It's a global effort at this point to uh, to get this solved. Uh, Ryan, where can uh, people find? Uh, we already talked about the the website, but let's say it again. Uh, where can people find you and your work? And if somebody is an experiencer, where can they go? Yeah, so experiencersupport.org is the main site. You can find everything there. Um, Facebook, uh, search Ryan Stacy on that, um, and Twitter. Uh, I do have a podcast called Beyond the Tinfoil Hat, which is every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And I, uh, I just do live interviews with people off the cuff and kind of get into it um, from that. And I also do another program called Uncharted Case Files every Monday um, at 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, where I talk about the latest declassified document that I've uh, I've found, um, what I think uh, it means, add it to the timeline, and all these other things. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty well it. Everything else is there. Perfect, Ryan Stacy. Thank you so much for your uh, your time and your knowledge, and for uh, coming on the podcast mm -hmm. today. We really do appreciate it. 